Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Do you know how hard it is not to scream in your ear immediately upon pickup because of the excitement levels that I feel? Do you know how hard it is to just restrict that? Okay. Yeah, it's an art. Okay. It's definitely an art because look, you don't understand. I wish sometimes you can see what happens behind the screens on these phones. Like you don't even understand the way that the Holy Spirit does what he does when he's giving me ideas or just all things. It literally, it blows my mind. I'm not even going to hold you. I sit back and be like, really and then I don't want to be selfish right so then I run to the phone as fast as I can to go ahead and call you so that we can have these combos listen to me <laughs> I don't know if you know this about me uh yeah but I am a very reflective person I can stay in a thought bubble. As a matter of fact, the inner design and decor thereof of my thought bubble, it is very, very, it's a lot going on. I understand it, okay? But it is the place of healing for me, the place of teaching for me. The It, it is so compounded with growth and inspiration that that is exactly where the Holy Spirit and I can join. And he's like, real quick, I want to talk to you about something. I'm like, bruh, you're amazing. Because let me tell you why. People who have reflective thought processes need to be very careful because the enemy has the tendency to try to keep them in bondage, I would like to say. To have them feeling bad all the time, thinking about something over and over again, something, why didn't you do this? It's almost a place of torment, if not careful. And a couple of years ago, that was me. I would think about one situation or a decision that I made or something that someone said to me, and I would literally replay the conversation, the outcome, the leading up to it over and over again to the point that my thought processes felt like a scary movie. It felt like the haunted house of why do I keep re-entering this? But then it was bigger than that. It was like, okay, you enter it, but why can't you escape it? It's your mind. And so over the years, God has really, really helped me. And this is why it's so important to know yourself. He has helped me to understand that I can control what I think. And so that didn't really make too much sense to me because, you know, you can hear a song and it takes you back to that one time. You you can smell a fragrance and mm, that reminds me of. And so I felt like, well, I don't control my thoughts because I can't control, you know, the catalyst that prompts these particular thoughts. And God was like, no, what I want to what I'm trying to explain to you is that you don't have to feel trapped in something. Instead of getting inside the room and feeling all the elements of the thought and the injustice or whatever it is that happened to you, you don't have to go inside of it. I can actually give you a bird's eye view to say, hey, and we can use this as like kind of like how the basketball coaches do it. We can use it as kind of like for your next scrimmage. Like, listen, you see how you went and did that? Okay, so next time I want you to do that. And then we're getting the bird's eye view, almost like we're looking down at a thing, looking at the experience, dissecting it, instead of you going back inside of the experience, ingesting it.
And I was like, okay. So ever since then, my thought processes have been just my place of comfort. Absolutely place of comfort. Doesn't mean that everything that I think about or that is posed to me is comfortable, but it is my place of comfort. So let me tell you what kind of led to this. So I was sitting down and I'm like, okay. It seems to be the morning sometimes is the most reflective or even when I'm my best, you know, get my best sleep, but that's fine. So I was just reflecting on a couple of things that happened this week and I went across Facebook (laughs) and saw, you know how they have the memories, right? Yeah, cool. And sometimes Facebook don't put two and two together that you and such and such are not friends no more. Okay, great. So don't show me no memories of someone I don't want to have memories with no more. Okay, great. And I'll go ahead and put that in a uh, suggestion box at a later time, but that's fine. And so this particular memory was on a friend of mine that I no longer speak to. And in the memory, I guess she was commenting on something that I said, but I noticed that her profile picture looked like she was wearing like a wedding gown. And I was like, oh, I guess she got married. Yay. And instantly I felt like this, oh. And then almost immediately thereafter, I was like, man, I feel bad. I would have been in a wedding. I would have had a way to say, you know, congratulations. You know, I would have celebrated her. Because I am a truly, like, real talk, my heart is bigger than Texas. I'm not, it's something that I'm not even going to try to change anymore, but I've become a better steward of my heart. (laughs) It can be big, but that don't mean you give the wrong people the access. And so I was thinking about that and I'm going to be unveiled with you. That thought of, oh man, I could have, I wanted to congratulate her. Kind of stayed in my thought process for about a day or two. The next day when it was still on my mind, I was like, okay, time out. Let, let's dissect this because you about to wear this and we don't do um, torment no more. Remember when I said we don't, we don't ingest, we dissect. Okay, so what, what's up? Let, let's be true to yourself. What happened? And I was like, well, you know, so I went through the like, huh. And so it was like, okay, well, let's do this. Why isn't she in your life anymore? Was she an asset that it was something that happened that was like, small scale where you can call and be like look we're adults you know have that big girl conversation and kind of glue it back together I was like no (laughs) she was very toxic very very jealous didn't try to hide her jealousy uh I remember when I moved to my first house she literally said um Man, I'm jealous you make me want to move out of my house and at that point she had been in her house for five years I just moved to my house and you're saying, okay, I don't understand. But that wasn't just it. It was the behaviors and the conversations and just the sneakiness. Like, let me get your address real quick because we were in different states. But it wasn't to send me something. She was trying to look up the price of the house. It was, yeah, it was that kind of like, ooh, you got a little bit of griminess in you. But that wasn't, that was just the tail end. I've known this person since high school and I would constantly every time she and I did not speak it was over some some form of jealousy your boyfriend is cuter than mine yeah and it was just like what is the are you okay bruh and so being real real grown paying a mortgage at this point (laughs) experienced in life seasoned if you will 
that just wasn't someone I wanted in, in, in my corner. It was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't want to look across the table of who I eat with and see a whole bunch of Judases on the low. You understand? It's just not something that I'm willing to do. So that was the first thing that happened. Then a couple of conversations later, I was talking to my cousin, love her. Mm, you know, just, you know, she, she had the same grandmother. You feel me? Uh, and she was like, so what you doing for the holidays? Kind of like pre-planning certain things. And I was like, oh, I'm cooking. I'm doing this. Thing. She was like, oh, you cooking? I didn't know that you cooked. Again, you know, we have these conversations because I'm in a different state. So she then goes on to say, well, what did you used to do? Because I don't remember you staying home and this, that, and the third. And I was like, oh, I used to go to such and such's house, my relative. And she was like, oh, you're not, you're not going? I said, no, I don't, I don't talk to her anymore. And so <laughs> my cousin is truly probably one of the sweetest people I've ever met. She's a thug, okay, um, real aggressive and assertive. But when it comes to different core values like family and friends, she's textbook like oh so you really believe in the a1 day one forever ever uh, okay I mean that's cute you know um but okay great and so she has a value on family that looks a lot like no matter what you do no matter what you say no matter what we experience we'll come back around and um be tight again and I don't share that same value when there's a level of toxicity connected to it for me. So when she said that, I had to dissect that again, bird's eye view. And I was like, so do you feel some type of way that your holidays may look a little bit different because you're not speaking to certain relatives? And immediately it was like, no, because any move of mine that requires for me to lack authenticity, I don't want to be a part of it. I just don't. It's not my thing. I am not more interested than having a family picture posting anything on anybody's social media platform sitting across from anyone and I feel restricted in my authenticity. I'm not doing it. Okay? I'm just not. Then I promise you, I'm not making this up later on that. No, the day before that, I had a family member call me and ask me a question gift wise for another family member that I don't have a relationship with. And so she was like, you know, so what should I get such and such? And I was like, couldn't tell you. You may want to go ahead and outreach. I can give you the phone number that I had last. And so family member kept question mark digging like no because I'm asking I'm trying to because you know you know the style of the and so I had to just go ahead and just blatantly say I don't talk to such and such anymore oh yeah I don't that's why I can't lead you along the right way I'm sorry I just I mean I could fake it but why do that I don't know I think it would probably that she's like okay so I'll probably just go back and just message the family member I was like yeah Facebook is probably the best way to go ahead and do that and I had to be a hundred with myself because even hearing myself telling you this right now it's like dang bro how many family members do you don't rock with like what happened to all your friends like what's going on but you know what I came to dissect and this is the thought process I literally just had I don't want to commune where there's no comfort and it took me a very long time to identify what triggered that on-off switch that we just so, you know, blatantly just or casually just label? Oh, I got an off switch. It's nothing. Yeah, but something keeps me off. I've had splats with people. 
I've had misunderstandings with people that I still talk to. It's nothing. Like, listen, as long as we breathe in this good O2, we're going, we're, we're not going to see eye to eye on a few things. You see what I'm saying? But that's not on off switch for me. There is my on off switch stays off. There is something that you can do that will remain like, yeah, I think I'm good. And I finally was able to dissect if I can't be authentic, which I had to break down a little bit more for myself, it was if I don't feel comfortable around you, I don't want to commune with you. If I feel like I have to, no, 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 don't say that around such and such because, you know, if it gets to her, then she was, okay, you know what, no, 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 um, don't wear that bag, don't wear, don't do such, don't tell such and such about your new, um, whatever accolades or accomplishments that you have, uh, you know, keep them out of your business in regards to, I live such an unzipped life with the people that I commune with that if it requires for me to wear a winter coat in the summer, then I don't want to visit you. Period, point, the blank, E, all the above. And that's just the life that I'm willing to walk. I could pretty much speak to every family member in the entire earth. Okay, great. I can go ahead and befriend any and everyone because I am personable. I am lovable. But there are certain things that you absolutely cannot do. And once I identify, man, I can't be 100 around you. Like you're sneaky in that regard. You you omit certain conversations and things of importance when, and here I am like pouring and you're you're receiving, but when I look to see what you're receiving with, it's a strainer. So then I'd rather not pour into strainers. I'd rather go ahead and maximize where I'm pouring from, so that when I pour to anyone else, it's fruit. It don't even have to be reciprocated, just as long as I know it's not being wasted. You see what I'm saying? And so I had to really kind of dig a little further. I said, where does that come from? You know, I, I don't want to try to feel like a T.I. with it, but I was like, commune is a big word, you know. Go ahead and define that because you want to make sure, A, that you're using it right, and B, that the substance that you're cooking from is actually uh, the authentic ingredient that you're trying to produce in this meal, okay? And I was like, okay, well, let me go ahead and just look up commune. So, you know, the good bishop over there in the New Oxford Dictionaries and the ministry thereof. I didn't know that there were two definitions to commune. The first one is a noun, and it says a group of people living together and sharing possessions and responsibilities. Okay, I like that. Makes sense. That kind of feels like friends and people you choose to date and the people you choose to deal with. But then that's that second definition, the verb. Yeah, I was like, mm-hmm, yeah, now we're hitting on something. It says, share one's intimate thoughts or feelings with someone or something, especially when the exchange is on a spiritual level. Feel in close spiritual contact with. I said, broski, you're hitting on a nail for me. When you are a person such as myself, where you literally, like, I don't do Vegas, bruh. There's nothing under my sleeves. There is, you don't have to watch my hands, watch what I say, uh-uh, be careful. You know, uh, do you really mean what you said? Are you going to do what you said? I am just literally, and the only way I can explain it is I live the unzipped life. 
if you are in my heart or you are in my life, you don't have to guess the contents of me. You don't have to guess what my real reasonings and mm, and try to dissect. You know what she says such and such, but you know what her actions. I am. I'm not perfect. I'm just pure. My intentions, my motives, you see what I'm saying? And although I know that people these days in this generation, they don't really thrive off of that. That's an important characteristic and trait for me to have those same people in my life. That don't mean you have to tell me all your business. That don't mean I got to know exactly what's going on. That don't mean, okay, listen, because oh, I I am the girl that is like, listen, my menstrual came on this day. Like, I am TMI. Like, bruh. You ain't have to tell me all that. But look, I feel like if you in my life, you should be up on the current events. You feel me? And so I feel like that only comes with a certain level of comfort. It only comes from a certain level of comfort. And when I read that verb commune, share one's intimate thoughts or feelings with, especially with the exchange is on a spiritual level. I said, you know what? That's why the Holy Spirit is not dormant in my life. Because when you say spiritual level, immediately the first thing that happens for me is that I think of the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, right? And so I went back just so that I can have that information for myself. I went back to John 14, 26. Now, I usually read from the NLT version, but for this time, I said I wanted to go ahead and read the Amplified. Because sometimes they'd be hitting and you're like, ooh, <laughs> run that back, Quavo, because you need to hear it again. So... John 14, 26 says, but the helper, and then it says in parentheses, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, close parentheses, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf will teach you all the things and he will help you remember everything I have told you. Then the King James says, but the comforter who is the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all the things and bring all the things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now here's the thing. I now understand myself on a whole different level. <laughs> there are, you ever heard the younger generation, deaconess and the deacons thereof, uh, say it's levels to this? Yet there are levels to you being close to me which is wisdom, but I didn't realize that what I have spiritually established with the Holy Spirit in my prayer life, with the people I share that with, I want that to reflect in my natural walk, in my natural journey in life. I want to literally feel that sense of when it comes to the people that I journey with. You see what I'm saying? How could you read all the things that the Holy Spirit is and not want one of those characteristics to be in the people that are in your circle? It says the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengther, standby. It's like, Holy Spirit, you the MVP, bro. I'm not even going to hold you. You are the MVP. Let me explain something to you. God love you. You've been there. You know, you went ahead and created me and my mother's wound and all that. You did what you did, how you did it. Jesus, yo, Calvary, bro, hats off. I don't know. But Holy Spirit, though, you know, like how it all come together, how you put that there. You just, huh. 
that how could you not love him how could you pause let's just go down this rabbit trail how could you not want to live with someone like that like your own personal spotter not in the gym in life bruh in life he spots you he comforts you he advocates for you he strengthens you he he counsels he's everything like wow like just reading that is invoking a feeling that's like you know what I don't know. I don't want to ever live without you, sir. Like, like ever. And I'm sorry when I did it without you. Like, like, like that's what I'm feeling. Don't laugh. This is my true feelings at this point. You feel me? And so I get so ramped up because I'm like, why do people choose to live in situations or among people where they don't feel a smickle of that? Now, don't get it twisted. You're not going to recreate the Holy Spirit on earth in another person. It just does not happen, okay? But I believe that you should be comfortable where you commune. Are you in relationships with people that you like, you know what, I love such and such, but I don't trust him? Like, honestly, she she has a good heart, but when it comes to money, I wouldn't have her over. I wouldn't give her access to you know what that family member is cool but you got to watch out because they low-key be asking for and then you start to feel used and see such and such as I honestly think at the core they're a good person it's just that you know they've been through a lot so sometimes it kind of no why do you got to be victim to somebody's lack of character why do you have to be uh, the recipient of something that someone didn't strengthen. Why? Why would you voluntarily want to do that? Yes, everyone has flaws. Absolutely. Does she have, pointing to me? Absolute. But my flaws don't spill and stab other people. I am one that I actively like to see and evaluate myself. I want to see myself in true form, not this rose pet. No, let what's good and what's not, and how can we go ahead and become better? Like just keeping a hundred with myself. Why would you want to just go ahead and live in that way, in any other way that doesn't require for you to really see yourself in the truest light, and then also to see people in their truest light? Don't make you a bad person. Don't make such and such a bad person. But it does tell you how close you need to have someone. Is this someone you need to be communicating with on just an associated level? Is this supposed to be your bestest of friends? Is this supposed to be, and and you, some people probably feel like, yo, I have the per- people that I talk to, I spill my heart out to. I have the people that I just network with. And that's fine. But I'm just saying, if you cannot do whatever you are using that relationship for and the shoe form then don't do it like if you got a network but then leave certain informationals out because you feel like I I don't want to talk dollar amounts with you I want to kind of tell you my idea but not tell you it's my idea I want to pitch it like you know a rhetorical question kind of way like why would you want to feel restricted in that way what's the point of even networking then okay if you use that person and I'm saying use in a in a good sense because used in an earthly sense looks a lot like, oh, you draining somebody and you doing it purposely and you are maliciously mistreating someone. 
Use everyone uses each other. My children use me to eat. I use them to be happy sometimes. Like listen, we, we're all using and benefiting from relating to one another, right? But it's not a benefit if you have a restriction attached to that. Why would you want to be at a job that doesn't really get the full you? In that you don't work your hardest, okay, great. You 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 don't feel excited or passionate about the work that you do. You are literally cheating yourself and the job itself because you you clock in at that time, but you don't start working until that time. And then your lunchtime, you go ahead and it run off a little bit more. And then guess what? But let your check be late or let something go down with your finances or let them glitch in something. And you ready to go, uh-uh, because I don't play that when it comes to, yeah, but you know what? Why not be somewhere? And I'm not saying everyone who works just loves it from the time they clock in to the time they clock out or for the time they start that business to the time they, you know, they launch with it. Like, I'm not saying that it's all going to be the best, but whatever you do should get the best from you. You should literally, now I understand why people who don't love their job is like, mm-mm, I'd rather work 50 part-time jobs than to have one job that I despise. And I get it now because a bulk of your time is work. Why would you want to spend the bulk of your time restricted, stressed, pulled, on just feeling unworthy of the work you you feel like the people there are ungrateful to what you bring to the table like at some point it has to be more good than bad and that can only be outweighed in the truest catalyst test is how do you feel at the end of the day like are you exhausted not because you didn't get get that ample amount of sleep but because it zaps you like literally you feel like slummed throughout the day why you keep getting those headaches? You ever thought about that? Why is it that you need more mental health days than what mental health actually permits? Why is it that as soon as you have to think about, oh, I got to go to work, that your whole mood changes? And yes, a lot of people feel like, well, I don't have the liberty to go ahead and start over or to do such and such. But again, I tell you what. I'd rather rub together 2,000 part-time jobs than to have one job that zaps me un- beyond recognition. Just know, have a nice day. I- I'm not doing it. Do not <laughs> allow yourself to override your comfort level. Your comfort level should really tell you how far and how deep into a thing you should continue to travel and journey. And whenever I'm thinking about life and how that should look and all those particular things, I'm not going to hold you. I'll just go back to Jesus because uh, he already, sir, already showed you how to live. Okay. You don't have to recreate nothing. You don't have to redefine nothing. He has truly shown how to do this thing. So I said, okay, when it comes to comfort level, because I know Jesus had, he had a huge number of disciples. It then scaled down to 12. And, but even in that 12, there was still a comfort level that if you really read the word, you're like, "Mm, Jesus didn't really rock with all y'all equally the same. Okay. And I pay attention to stuff like that because it shows you how to go ahead and live the life that he gave you. And so when I went to Mark 5, right, and just reading verse 37, and this is in the NLT version, it says, then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, 
James and John, the brother of James. I was like, now this is literally right before he was getting ready to heal this little girl named Tabitha. Go ahead and read your Bible. I'm not going to gossip about you or say nothing because you are somebody's grandbaby. But to know that when it came to huge matters, he didn't take everybody with him. And not only did he not take everybody with him, he only took a specified number of people. Why is it, Jesus, that you only took Peter, James, and John? Now, I know why he took Peter. Because he already said, Peter, you don't want I'm going to go ahead and build the church on. You're going to be the cornerstone. Like, I already, it's something about you. But it was something about James and John, too. Which in my own private time, I'm probably going to go back and start looking at the characteristics of these two. Because it's like, wh- what was it about you that Jesus was like, I need, I need to continue to commune with the three of you? You see what I'm saying? Something about that says, whatever they had, I want to strengthen that in me. Yeah, I want that to be evident in my life and in my walk and in the people that I share it with. I want to be able to give that and I want to see that in my life too with the people that I choose to journey with. And let me just say something real quick, sidebar. The reason why I continue to say choose is because I truly understand now that we create the life that we want to live. You know, we co-partner with God, but we create through the decisions that we make. So there are people that just was a given, right? You know, in the math problems, when you have it, it's like, look, bro, this is the equation, but these are the given facts. There are some given people that's just there. Like certain family members, it's like, bro, that's, that, that's just your family. But you still can make a decision with the people who are given elements in your life. You can make the decision that you don't get to zap me, that you don't get to keep asking me for stuff, that you don't get to keep being in my business when I don't want you in my business, that you don't, like you can put up boundaries, because it's the healthy way to relate to certain people. Then the friends that you choose and the people that you choose to be intimate with and anything that ends in the S-H-I-P, okay, relationship of any friendship, any of the relating parts thereof, you should really identify why do I relate with you? Why? And when I am in this relationship with you, Are there comfort levels that I can stay true to or am I restricted when I commune with you? So that made me want to go even further, still being on the Jesus. Like, all right, Jesus, I need you to teach, show show me how you do this. He was like, cool, go to Matthew 17. I was like, 17, like right after 16. He was like, yes. I said, cool. He said, read from verse one real quick. I said, okay. Six days later, Jesus, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, there go them buddies again, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus's appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Three, suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Four, Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Five, but even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. Six, the disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground seven 
Then Jesus came over and touched him. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. Eight. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. Nine. As they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Now pause. Do you see how comfortable Jesus was with, th- with these three men? With Peter, James, and John? Like, and it wasn't even that Jesus was comfortable with them. God was comfortable with Jesus being comfortable with them. Get that. Bruh, where have you seen, okay, in the Bible, outside of John going ahead and um, baptizing Jesus real quick, that God spoke and people heard it. When God was speaking before in the Israelites and he was leading all them, the Israelites heard God's voice like thunder. So God didn't even trust them to go ahead and hear something so magnificent. But for it to be that Jesus transformed in front of John, James, and Peter, that he allowed them the spiritual realm broke where they were able to see Moses and Elijah who had passed on. And then the spiritual levels just magnified because they were able to hear God's voice. How comfortable. (laughs) Let me just, oh, let me phrase this. How awesome of a character does one have to have for God to be that comfortable around you. You see what I'm saying? So that just debunked everything that I was getting ready to make myself feel like, you know, maybe you put this bar too high for certain people. And then maybe, you know, you should just accept that you people are not like you. And it's like, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. But what I just read just now, was a level of comfort that everybody didn't experience, and that's because everybody didn't have those particular characteristics of Peter, James, and John. So if God was comfortable with them, if Jesus was comfortable with them, if if the comfort level was there to the point that the spiritual realm was like, I'm comfortable with that too, then I want those kind of people in my life. That as I'm elevating and things are happening in my life, that they elevate and they come with me. And the biggest litmus test for me, for me was Jesus was able to show them a thing and then say to them after, now y'all boys don't go ahead and say nothing to go ahead and do this thing on Calvary. You hear? I'm going to tell you right now. You know how your parent would say, listen, we get me going to the store. Don't you ask for nothing. Don't you look at nothing. Like Jesus could have, like real, real quick, let's just go in that analogy. Jesus could have said as he was taking them to the mountain, Listen, y'all getting ready to see something, okay? I'm trusting you that you're not going to say nothing, okay? Don't you look at nothing. Don't you say nothing. Don't you pick up nothing. I better not. You know, Jesus probably gritted his teeth. It's okay. Let me go ahead and do my thing. And so he didn't give them that precursor of, I'm getting ready to show you something, and I'm trusting that you're not going to go ahead and do something that is of not of character. No, no, no. He did it the opposite. 
He showed them greatness. Greatness was revealed to them. Magnificentness, things that nobody else on earth can actually say, bro, I heard God. I saw some great prophets beforehand. I seen Jesus transform, and I was still living, breathing this good old too. Nobody else can say that. And then once they went ahead and experienced that, Jesus said, oh, by the way, make sure y'all boys don't say nothing, okay, until this particular time. And trusted that they would go ahead and abide by that. How comfortable does one have to be to trust someone with that magnitude of information? So that's my challenge to you. Your litmus test in this thing called life is how comfortable are you with the people you commune with, that you journey with, that you relate to in any capacity? How comfortable are you? There are comfort levels. Jesus was comfortable with the 12 disciples to go ahead and send them out two by two, right? But he wasn't comfortable with all 12 being up there in, in that particular imagery that we just read just now. Mm-mm. All 12 of y'all can't go. That don't mean all 12 of y'all bad. That don't mean, oh, Jesus be acting funny because, he, but Jesus, that's your disciple. But Jesus, that's your brother. But Jesus, you should have been like, it's funny because if Jesus was in this time, it would feel a lot like, oh, he acting funny and he want people to be perfect. And Because, you know, I'm just relating to how I could possibly be viewed. Why you put that standard on people? Oh, but that's your such and such title in your family. But you've known such and such for this many years. But how come you don't? Mm-mm, because I don't have comfort levels of that magnitude with everyone. And I only bring people where the highest point of my life and achievements are being gathered. I don't bring everybody with me. And it was once a time that I believed that. And I didn't understand that and that that statement would have saddened me. But I now see the relief in that. Imagine having all 12 disciples out there, them seeing that and having to go ahead and hope that they don't say nothing, knowing that one of them would. Knowing that the one person that was going to go ahead and betray you later, you already know he, he going to sell any information he can for some pieces of silver. So my challenge to you is why put yourself through that, Right? I want you to do the litmus test in your own life. Real talk. It's probably going to be a little painful, but at least it will be knowledgeable. At least you will be able to go, you know what? I know. And what you choose to do with the information is between you and the good Lord, but you cannot say you did not know after this convo. You feel me? Go through your life, the people that you relate to, the people that you choose to journey with, the job that you choose to go ahead and do. Whatever it is that you have your hand to, that you participate any of your lifetime to it, I need you to go ahead and use this litmus test. How comfortable are you in that environment with that person? Can you share your deepest, darkest? Can you share your biggest dreams? Can you, like, what is it? And you take from it what you will, because I believe that when I'm talking to you, the Holy Spirit is speaking and confirming some things. So you know exactly what you you should be looking for, because the way that you have been customized and ordained, designed, there are certain things that you need, that people need to give that back to you. And if they don't, then they shouldn't be in your inner circle. They can be a part of your circle, but not the inner. Maybe you'll just be the exterior. There are certain things that you require because of your genetic and spiritual design that you are not allowing yourself to accept or to demand because you feel like, "Eh, well, you know, people like I'll give you an example. 
uh, loyalty. Matter of fact, I'll dumb it down. Truth is not debatable for me. Okay, I don't want anyone around me that's not um, that doesn't tell the truth. Okay, if you got a lying tongue, I appreciate you know you breathing and uh, all the things that you may or may not have done. But I don't want nobody around me that's a liar. And I'm gonna say that word one time because I do feel my grandmother's spiritual hand getting ready to slap me because we couldn't say the L word. We said story, so I'm gonna double back. I don't want nobody around me that tells a story. Okay, I don't want anyone who speaks deception that close into my life as a matter of fact to be 1000 I don't want that person in my life period um going up one more notch loyalty okay is not negotiable for me now do I have people in my life that they're not as loyal as as I would like yes but again inner circle is way different than the outskirts okay and so again there are things that you absolutely positively need that you absolutely positively need not to bend on. The point, the blank, the period, E or the above. You feel me? But listen, I feel like you got what you needed, okay? You know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everyone's going to have with you because who else going to call you, spill their tea, pour it in your cup, pour it in mine, and sip it with you? Nobody but your favorite homegirl. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? Okay, great. I hope you appreciate it because the spilling don't be easy. It takes a, it takes a certain character to say, here's my tea and, and sip it with you. Okay. But listen, I'm gonna go ahead and let you let me go. We'll talk later. Okay. All right. Later.